Welcome to Learning by Design, a professional development podcast for the faculty of Bay State College. I'm James Grenier from the Office of Instructional Design and the Virtual Center for Teaching and Learning. Join us each episode as we discuss the tips, tools, and techniques of education online and face-to-face in a changing world. Well, welcome all to the podcast today. So good to have you here. And our special guest this week is Professor Jennifer Verstreken, who is the program chair for the RN2BSN program here at Bay State College. She's also a registered nurse and considered the bedside nurse at level one for the ER at Brigham and Women's, a global health advocate, and a complete awesome educator. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, James. That's quite the intro. Well, you quite deserve it. So you go. Um, no, we've been looking to do this podcast for a while, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Because you're kind of running all over the world, saving humanity. And I, I don't mean that in a flip way. I mean, seriously, I want to talk today, if we can, about what you're doing at Bay State, what kind of things you're doing with your students, how you see the industry going. But I think it would be really interesting to listeners to start with that sort of mercy missions you've been involved with, because we've had a, a global pandemic here for you know a year and a half or more. And uh, you've been frontline on activities. Could you uh, share a little bit about that? Yeah. So thanks for asking about that. It's taken me 20, I guess, 19 years of my career to actualize my desire for volunteerism within the scope of nursing and my nursing skill set and practice. And I had always struggled with the concept of volunteering abroad, which is kind of every nurse's desire with the need at home. And how could I justify going to a developing nation that has need when there is need right here in Boston? And one of my mentors at the hospital said, he said, you're not, you're not helping a region, you're helping humanity or you're helping civilization, which really helped to um, remove the guilt of going abroad and offering my skill set as a nurse um, and a health advocate. Uh, to those people in need. So uh, that started in 2019, and I've done a couple of um, just health-related missions to Cambodia, to Nicaragua, and more recently have been involved with the pandemic and kind of needs surrounding the pandemic and was able to uh, fulfill a need requested by the WHO in Papua New Guinea with a small remote um, highland village that had limited resources and had a COVID population and really needed the educational infrastructure and support of the best practices of how to care for those, uh, that type of patient, the COVID patient. And we ended up, uh, our small team that went was really able to impact this very small hospital with teaching across the board of just giving them a CPR update because they hadn't had CPR since their original training or getting them up to speed on a new piece of equipment that was donated from, uh, you know, a developed nation and finding the power cord and teaching them how to turn it on was just really impactful and came away from that experience with some some lifelong international friends and uh, most recently was able to deploy to Haiti in the setting of the earthquake that happened about six weeks ago um, in August of 2021, I was asked to be involved in an ADVON recon team, which is some military 
jargon for basically a team that goes in, assesses the need, and starts to develop the plan to bring infrastructure in to support the needs. And obviously, as a medical provider, we were going to assess whatever needs the local infrastructure had. So I was able to be in Haiti for nine days to recon the entire um, the southern peninsula of Haiti, where the epicenter of the, the earthquake was, and um, establish a relationship with a hospital there called Hospital Immaculate Conception. And we were able to backfill their staffing needs in the setting of increased volume, um, increased traumatic injuries, wound infections, and really provide some staff relief. Had these people working in the hospital even been home to check on their homes and their loved ones? So just letting them know that they weren't alone in the fight um, was incredibly meaningful for both us and the hospital and um, the emergency physician who was the director of the ER. Um, really amazing stuff. Um, that nurses have the opportunity to do once they're out in established practice. Yeah, and what's fascinating to me is like you're going in and it's a situation that's going on. You have to go in and you're doing sort of a triage, right? To figure out what kind of needs they have. And it could be anything, right? It could yeah. be you're talking about at one point, and you didn't mention this in the context of Haiti, but farm equipment or some piece of equipment and we're how to plug something in and train them on that. Never mind the actual trauma care that you're doing as a nurse, but you really being asked to wear many hats and you're a part of a team because you're not taking over, you're providing support and you're helping empower these people that are trying to take care of their country. How do you find that works with the sort of diplomatic side or how you negotiate that? That's a great question. And I'm so glad you brought that up, particularly with Haiti. Haiti was incredibly scarred from the, res the international response from the earthquake in 2010. They received an outpouring of support from all of these nations that essentially came in, did some really intensive work, maybe snapped a picture in front of a downed home or church, and then went back to their nations and really didn't leave any kind of structure or support in place for the country to rebuild. Mm -hmm. There's also tremendous racial divides with the history of Haiti and the rest of the world. Haiti was one of the first um, African-American independent nations, um, particularly in the Western Hemisphere, in close proximity, geographic proximity to primarily Caucasian nations in the developed world. And there's a lot of uh, mistrust, distrust of outside nations. So when we, our team came in for this earthquake, we wanted to be incredibly respectful with that knowledge in our back pocket and not come in to say, we're here to tell you how to do it. We're here to help. What do you need? So we kind of stood in the background as we watched these other NGOs come in with, as I've affectionately termed it, the hero complex of here I am with chopper, give me your child and I will save the day. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is the fallout of, say, taking that infant child from the parent, flying them to Port-au-Prince or some other local nation for care. How is that mother going to be reunited with their child? They had to walk to get to the hospital where the child was evaluated. They don't have the resources that developed nations may have, or even the thought process of how am I going to get there? And I think that's a big part where nurses come in 
to play because nurses are constantly thinking about that. We have this saying, discharge begins on admission. So as soon as that patient walks into your clinic or your ER or your hospital room, you're already thinking about how am I going to get them back home? What do they need to get back to their baseline state of health? Are there stairs at home? Are they going to need crutches? Who can help them at home bathe? Is there somebody to prepare food? Um, do they need help getting to the doctor's office? Are, are there transportation challenges? So in the setting of global health and disaster response, these groups are physician rich and nurse poor. And as a relative newbie to this specialty, I really want to move nurses into the position where there are a parallel provider at the table having these conversations. So nations like Haiti won't have that experience that they had nearly 20 years ago with the um, 10 years ago, sorry, with um, the last earthquake. So that we're really being a partnership uh, for these nations in need. Yeah, that's fantastic. So now you've got this, you know, real life experience, and there you are. Um, and you've been there on the ground, obviously, the academic experience. How do you bring that to your students? Specifically, I'm thinking about the, you know, the RNTBSN program. And how do you prepare students for that real world environment? That's a tough one. Um, because as I said, it took me 19 years to get ready to deploy internationally. But the students in the RN to BSN program, their, their academic program is now more aligned with the critical thinking and the what's next and the upstreamist approach. So they're not just wondering, okay, the, the patient has urinary retention, I'm going to insert a Foley and then it drains so it's effective. They're thinking about the things like care planning, you know, how is that patient going to get home? They're looking at the long term. So getting them ready to be involved in volunteerism and humanitarian work in medical mission or medical missionary. They really need to have an open mind. They need to um, have cultural competence. So they need to be willing to provide care regardless of someone's race, religion, creed, culture, the size of their house, the size of their paycheck, and be flexible enough to make do with what they have and be flexible to say, okay, we use this kind of Band-Aid in America, but this is what you have available. And is it, can we still do this and be successful without ostracizing the care providers that are there? It's a great opportunity for teaching. So I didn't go to Haiti to be a teacher, but I had opportunities to bring best practices from the United States which has probably the strongest nursing practice in the world, bring those best practices and share those with the nurses I was working with and say, well, this is how we do it in America. You know, can we compare side by side? What are your outcomes? What are our outcomes? How can we make this work in your setting? And I think they walked away from the experience. Initially, they put walls up and in the end, they were very grateful for all of the relationships that we were able to build. So the nurse that's in the BSN program is really developing those skill sets to look beyond just clinical practice and look for partnerships and relationships. 
I have the, the honor to have worked with you on some of these in, in the background. And I noticed that you lead with learning because you will always continue to ask questions about like, how can we improve this? How do we make that better? Um, I'm thinking about a presentation that you did with some of the other nursing faculty, maybe six or eight months ago. Now we've talked about flipped classrooms. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, where you are with that now and maybe what you've learned during the pandemic as far as how we can best help these students to flip that role? Sure. And flipped classrooms is, you know, one of those buzzwords in education and the, the students may not quite understand the, the concept of flipped classrooms, but what we're doing is we're front loading the work. So you have to read the chapter, you have to um, do the quiz, you have to read the case study, because when you come to class, it's going to be an interactive class, it's going to be an active learning session. And that's a culture shift because you and I, I won't date ourselves, but we grew up in a, in a lecture hall. So when we went to high school and college, we were in a class of, you know, 20 up to several hundred, depending on the course or the college. And we were lectured to, and then there was an exam, there was a content exam, and we got very little interaction unless it was a lab or a specialty course associated with our program of study. So by moving to this flipped model, we're, we're making it more of an active learning scenario. Now, in the RN to BSN program, this is particularly challenging because the bonus of the program is that it's asynchronous online. So what does that mean? That means it's all online. There's no in-seat time where you have to come to the campus. And asynchronous means that the student can learn on their own time. There isn't a virtual Zoom that students have an appointment for every Thursday from one to three, there's a class. So the students have tremendous flexibility. Now, why is that important for the BSN student who's transitioning from their associates to the baccalaureate degree? Because these students are working. They are licensed nurses working. And they may be working a swing shift. They may be working a night shift. They may be working a day shift or per diem. So the model of asynchronous online is great for that working student. But how do you teach when you don't have a meeting time? And that's where we try to move to this interactive flipped classroom. So by having the student engage in more active learning, that's not just a PowerPoint, maybe even with a voiceover. So case studies, and then come back and discuss your case studies, either through a voice recording, um, have a conversation with a classmate and record that and submit that as your assignment. Or instead of the presentation of your capstone, try out one of these newfangled technologies like a Prezi or a, um, a video or some kind of animated thing. Look for alternative methods for students to expand their skill set and make the boredom of a presentation a little bit more exciting and uh, engaging. Yeah, and it should be said too that your students, I believe that they've come in with some college experience already because they're nurses. So and when we talk about using some of these tools or we talk about flipping the classroom or being hybrid and or being asynchronous, we're talking about students that already have some experience at college. It does give you some options for that. You're talking about working professionals. And we see that in MBA programs as well. And they need that flexibility, but they have that ability to 
to study. They already know how to make that active learning happen. And a lot of these students, you're very right when you say they've got college experience, but they have life experience. Some of them are non-traditional students. So the traditional student is 18 to 22, just you know, left home from mom and dad, and it's their first time in the world. These students, it may be their second career. Um, maybe it's post-military. Maybe they're still active military or reservist. So these people come with an incredible amount of experience that's absolutely translatable in the coursework that they're doing in the RN to BSN program. In fact, I just had a discussion post last week and it was about mentors. And we talk about what a mentor is and then I asked the students to identify a couple of mentors they might be able to use down the road. And many of them identified colleagues from their military experience. So a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be the charge nurse you know, or someone that has XYZ number of years more experience. It's someone who embodies the teaching, the mentoring, the leadership, um, that ability to provide constructive feedback without eating their young, as we'll hear that phrase in nursing, that we've come from a model where it was trial by fire and we're really trying to transition the field away from that into more of a nurturing mentorship type environment so um, the real world experience that these students bring to the program is just it it floors me sometimes that i am their professor i feel like we're more colleagues and equals Right. So you, as the professor, you have to have the subject matter expertise, you have to have the course well designed, and you have to set the stage, so to speak, but you are working with them, you know. So Absolutely. You know, and it, it follows very much in what we've been talking about. How do you honor that person's lived experience and help them take that next step? Absolutely. And part of these early discussion questions in the intro courses in the RN to BSN curriculum is tell me about yourself. And while that is one of those traditional icebreakers you'd have in any traditional brick and mortar class, what that also does is it opens up the student so I can see where I may be able to direct their learning. If say they're struggling with a concept, I can say, you told me about your military experience in week one and how you had this one leader that did X, Y, Z. Can you, you know, make some associations between that? So it's exactly that. It's honoring their lived experience and allowing them to grow their mind and grow their possibility of applying the knowledge that they're gaining. Because the leadership class in nursing, while it's focused in nursing, it's leadership. And you can be a leader anywhere you go. You can be the leader in your neighborhood by picking up trash on the street and recognizing that that has an impact on the greater community or you could be a leader in healthcare or anywhere in between. Yeah, there's a transferable skill, the act of leadership. And what you're doing is you're giving them a practice, but you're not just saying, well, here, here's your own stuff, go do it. What you're doing is you're giving them a well thought out, again, designed plan to get from A to B. And they've chosen that they want to get there. There's a lot of work in these courses too, by the way. This oh, is absolutely. not, you know, the rigor in some of these courses. And I see that across the board at Bay State to be a focus to always increase rigor and to increase that, that level of contextualized learning that you're talking about. 
you know, that it does bring yeah. someone in from their strengths, but to help them get to that next step, because there's a lot of distance they have to cover to get to where they want to be. Absolutely. And full disclaimer, just because a course is online does not mean it's easy. So there is a lot of work. And of course, we're guided by accreditation standards for this, but we also want to graduate competent nurses. So these nurses now should be prepared to be stepping into leadership roles as a charge nurse, as a committee chair, as um, an active member of their community volunteer organization, and starting to even consider process improvement. If they identify something that is associated with negative patient outcomes, now they have the skill set to say, I know how to fix this, or I know how to investigate how to fix this. And while they may not be prepared to run a full research study, they know how to draft a PICO question. And they know how to go to their nurse scientist or their nurse educator to say, I've identified this problem. Look at the patient outcomes. This is my idea. Let's run with it. So we're really taking that skill set from the associate's degree, building it, and now they're change agents in their agency of practice. What would your advice to be to someone who was considering the program, wanted to further their education in this way, and, and to kind of take that next step to say, hey, this would be a good fit for me. I'd be a good candidate for this. Yeah, great question. I would say right out of the gate, don't hesitate. And what I mean by don't hesitate, once a student graduates with their associate's degree, they're a newly licensed nurse, they want to get out there, they want to get in the, the ICUs and the floors, and they want to start creating their career. And the concern is once you get 10 years in, or however many years in, you're reluctant to go back to school because it's comfortable. You're making great money. You've established yourself. Maybe you have some seniority, so you get your holidays off. So there is a reluctance or more barriers are present to going back to school. And I see this in my practice at the Brigham. The Brigham is a magnet hospital. And by definition, magnet hospitals employ, I think it's 80%, and someone will probably write in and correct me, but they employ a whole bunch of BS unprepared nurses, and we're moving away from even hiring associate's degree nurses. So I have a colleague, one of my best friends, is probably one of the best nurses I know. If I came in on a stretcher and looked up and she was caring for me, I knew I was in good hands. But she has an associate's degree, and she's now feeling the pressure with two young children, an established family, that she's going to have to get her bachelor's. And it's kind of inconvenient where she is in life. So had she just taken that plunge right after her associate's degree, gotten the BSN, now she is set to work in any major hospital. She could go on for her graduate degrees. It just really opens up her career and doesn't pigeonhole her where she's forced to do something and then maybe starting a baccalaureate program with a little bit of a sour taste in her mouth. So don't hesitate. Why should you come to Bay State? Any good consumer is going to do comparisons. You know, if you're looking for a car, you're going to do a comparison. You're looking for a new refrigerator, you're going to shop around. And any consumer of education should do the same thing. So Bay State on a side-by-side -side comparison, we're all pretty similar. So we're all about the same length. We're all accredited. Um, we're all about the same cost, plus or minus a dollar here or there. What you're going to get at Bay State, though, is you're going to get the personalized education that you're not going to get at the larger online schools. 
case in point, I've just transferred in my doctoral program from a big online school, easy to get in the cheapest that kind of thing, but I was a number. They didn't know my name when I called I was some kind of student ID number they they didn't remember my story or my passion. And I said to them, this isn't what I want. I don't want to be a widget in your educational machine. And that's not going to be the experience at Bay State College. I know all of my students in the BSN. I am their personal advisor. I know what's going on at home. I know one of my students has twin four-year-olds. So I know the challenge that she is experiencing. I have provided personal and career counseling to some of my students who may have been struggling with, did I fall in the right profession? So I'm acutely involved with my students and their success, and I take their success personal. And I think that's really what's going to make Bay State different from some of the other online BSN programs. Very, very nice. Appreciate that. Well, it's good to have you on board. I hope I can ask you to come back again sometime. Absolutely. This has been fun. I look forward to it. Thank you for joining us on Learning by Design. Tune in next time for more. If you have questions about online design, teaching, or educational technology, feel free to reach out to us at the Virtual Center for Teaching and Learning in Canvas.